Thank you for coming Thank you for coming out. Welcome. My name is Dubs Weinblatt. And my pronouns are they, them, theirs. In 2015, I founded the queer improv show Thank You For Coming Out, or TIFCO as we call it, and it is now one of the longest-running queer improv shows in New York City. During the show, our storytellers share their coming out stories, and then our improvisers bring them to life. Our podcast is a little different. We still have a storyteller share their stories, but instead of folks improvising, we talk about them. And I am super duper pumped about the guest that we have here today. Um, but before I introduce her, I just want to say a quick note of if you hear any background noise of cars or sirens or jackhammers, it's because we are recording in the bustling borough of Brooklyn and there's really no way around it. So hope you can bear with us. Uh, okay, so our guest today, uh, my dear pal, Suzanne Hitchman, she, her, hers. Hi, Suzanne. Hi, Dubs. How are you? I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy you're here. Um, so we all have multiple coming out stories. Uh, so I would love to hear one of yours or whatever you'd like to share with us. Yeah, I have multiple coming out stories. Um, yeah, and I think I identify as queer. Uh, also, I think I've a little bit decided that maybe I'm embracing the other Q in LGBTQ okay. of questioning mm -hmm. as like definitely a part of my like life path, um, cool. ever questioning and not necessarily... Um, I think maybe just the questions of who am I in this moment, where I am in this moment, where are my attractions in this moment. Um, and I think for me as a queer person that identifies now, I like, I'm a 39-year-old woman. I've had a coming out process to family and friends. Um, but having like a fluid sexual orientation for me also means like I'm coming out, you know, to the women I date as being in relationships with cisgender men or being dating men, cisgender men being like, and I've also had relationships with women and, uh, and folks. So like, I feel like I'm constantly coming out. Mm -hmm. Um, but then definitely understanding what does that mean as a, yeah, a fluid person, um, throughout the, like the life spectrum too, or it's not necessarily these big coming outs, but smaller coming outs. Um, yeah, I think for me, coming out and understanding my sexual orientation, um, I, I, again, was, like, also pretty fluid. I remember, like, being a young person and just, like, um, having this uh, – oh, I'm from New Jersey and uh, I'm a big – fan of like Kevin Smith movies and I <laughs> when I was like 16 Chasing Amy came out mm -hmm. which featured a prominent bisexual character and however you feel about that movie I remember really identifying with that character's explanation of kind of her sexual orientation of like um just like yeah feeling a little bit more uh fluid um and I think for me I remember seeing that movie and feeling empowered to kind of have this understanding of myself that like, oh, my, like, why would I fall in love with like a gender? I'd fall in love with a person, right? And that was a very like ideal, like intellectual feeling. Like I wasn't thinking about um, like same gender relationships. I wasn't like thinking about sex um, necessarily um, or like queer relationships. I just like intellectually, I was like, that's what made sense to me. Um, but I didn't consider that a coming out at all. Um, 
and I continued to like my sexual development tended to be with cis men or boys, I guess, or like 16. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, and it wasn't until really college that I started, and this feels also very intellectual. I was like in a queer, like gender studies class. And uh, I feel like reading like Judith Butler on gender and like understanding that gender is a construct and mm-hmm. like the binary is a construct. And to me, that was like really opening. And it was then that I started, um, uh, you know, thinking about, I felt like it opened up space for attraction and identity and understanding in this way that, um, like, I didn't necessarily feel before. And I think for me, like, I never really identified with, like, lesbian, being like, I I wasn't a lesbian. I'm not a lesbian, right? Like, and I didn't necessarily understand that there was a place for fluidity within, um, within sexual orientation, um, and and that was really empowering for me. Um, and I think, like, kind of having that permission to just be um, felt really great, felt really good. Um, yeah, and I think I remember at that time, like, you know, there was, like, definitely, like, there was, like, somebody in, like, a, my peace studies class who was, like, maybe it was, like, my ring of keys moment, I think we'll talk about later, who was just, like, so, like, soft but like, I remember she had, like, every, at the time, it was, like, wasn't a fad, like, every different fingernail was, like, a different color, um, and just, like, had, like, really short kind of, like, hair, like, androgynous looks, and I was just, like, just attracted, um, and that was, like, one of the first crushes that I had um, on somebody that, uh, you know, I actually didn't, I don't know her, I don't know what her pronouns were, I don't know even if she identified, but kind of even her just like gender, non-binary identity, or like expression rather, was really compelling to me and like definitely one of my first like moments of um, of attraction. Uh, yeah, even, yeah. Um, but I remember like even coming out to like my family at the time, I was like, I went out to like lunch with my mom and my brother and I was like, you know, we were just like talking about things and I was like, oh, by the way, I think all people are bisexual is <laughs> how I like came out to them. And I think I thought that, and then I was like, and me, including me or whatever. But I think that they just like heard me making this grandiose statement that like, I think that everyone is naturally bisexual <laughs> and considered that a coming out and realized that I wasn't. <laughs> I had to do actually a little bit more work to be direct. <laughs> um, and uh, I, you know, I don't even, I, I, I think... I don't know. I think that there's just been many moments where I've had to like kind of come out and have those conversations. Um, and it wasn't even until like later in my twenties when I actually started dating, like I came out actually like in the context of being in a relationship with a cisgender man who also came out as bisexual. Mm. Um, and, uh, I, you know, so like that was like an interesting, like we had each other to like talk about those things with. We like, so like at that time, like I came out as, queer to like my family and then I also like came out as poly which is funny because if you know me I'm like not a polyamorous <laughs> person I was like in this relationship with a man and we both were like we want to explore our sexual orientation and and from the safety of this relationship mm-hmm. um and uh, which was funny because I and at that time was like really a part of like queer community in DC that was very radical very political um very much embraced like a broad spectrum of sexual orientation and gender identity uh and 
you know, it's like a, it was a very safe community and a safe place. You know, like I think that there have been, you know, like I think as a queer person, I mean, it's still, and this is like part of the questioning. I feel like I don't nec- like bisexuality. Like, is not necessarily even a word that I fully identify with, but I use it because of limited vocabulary. And like, I think for me, I would so prefer to just be like. I think for some people, language is really affirming and is is so important. Um, particularly where there's lack of um, visibility mm-hmm. and you know an awareness. And then for me, sometimes I just actually feel very frustrated by like having language at all. And I'd rather yeah. just be. And I think, you know, that's um, that's just the truth for me. Yeah. Um, but I felt like a very safe place to be like uh, questioning or like embracing a more fluid sense of sexual orientation. So like I came out of like poly, um, again, just like very funny to me because I'm not a poly person at mm-hmm. all, um, uh, you know, and like really, um, you know, explored my sexuality in the context of that relationship. Um, and then it wasn't until like after that relationship ended that I started dating um, women. And there was a time when I was dating women that I was like, I actually, I, I'm, I'm a dyke. Like I'm a lesbian. I'm like, I'm not going to date men ever again. Um, and that shifted and evolved and like, I, uh, yeah, so, like, for me, like, I just continue to shift um, and continue to explore, and it's really important for me to stay present to just, like, where I am in the moment and honor that. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for asking. I took so many notes. Did you? Yeah. Oh, let's talk. I don't know what I said. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I could basically read you back word for word, but I I won't do that. Thank you. Um, Send me the transcripts. (laughs) I will. I... So many things. I I don't even know where to start. I love that embracing the second cue and that like ever questioning. Um, and I love that you, you know, came out as poly at one point and you're like, I'm a dyke at one point. And, you know, now it's like, I'm queer. And it's like, I love that openness and the, the like, I don't know if this is it, like flexibility or like just like staying. I was having a conversation with my friend the other day about, um, for similar this of like I said I don't remember the details now it doesn't matter but I there's no word in the English dictionary for what I was trying to describe of like when people are embracing who they are and like open to that that's like sexy to me Mm. and there's like no word for it and so I was like embracing authenticity and like embraceticity (laughs) embrace so (laughs) I just blow out the speaker (laughs) um but I, so that will catch on. Embraceticity, trademark, copyright me. Such a silly word, Dubs. <laughs> it is. It's so silly, but it's also like it's super true. true. It's super true. Um, <laughs> also, authenticity is like such a, a buzzword that's lost yeah. all meaning to. We live in a messed up culture where nothing yeah. means anything anymore. Hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I'm quite there yet. Okay. I still think, though, I still like, really hold on to the word authentic and authenticity. I believe it. Yeah. I believe it. It makes me sad when it's a buzzword. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, yeah, let's own it. Let's not give in to it. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, are buzzwords all necessarily bad? Mm. Like, for me, that's like the more we're talking about the – I think it depends on context and like what we're – like what it's being used for. Yeah. And I think in certain scenarios, like you were saying yeah. earlier, uh, let me refer to my notes here, uh, just 
you know, depending on who you are and your relationship with words and your identity, those can have a lot of power. And for some, they're not powerful. And I think for me, it's like, let's be about it. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And we need words to talk about it, but I, I want us to be about it. And I think that we, we live in a capitalist culture that likes to gravitate towards things and sell them. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, Yes. And so let's, like also be willing to like actually have hard conversations yeah. and be like, does this actually feel authentic versus like right. we're saying it is. Yeah. So I just saw an article about uh, the the uh, pad, period pad always is changing all of their packaging and marketing to remove gender. Yay. Did you see that? No, but I like this trend. I like this trend. Right. So it's like, <laughs> I, I don't know if this is necessarily this, but it's, almost maybe like the buzz has got has caught up with them yeah and they're like you know what this is i'm not arguing with you yeah yeah okay i just like it's to me that's amazing yeah like when i because i get so much we were talking about this earlier so much dysphoria around my period yeah that the last thing i want to do is like buy have to be forced to buy these products that are marketed for women yeah and absolutely and so the fact that that's something that they're working on and are conscious of i think is really awesome well yeah and i think even like i really loved i'm like I have a love-hate relationship with like um, with Twitter one, but particularly Twitter around the presidential election. I went like silent after 2016 because I couldn't handle it, but now I'm like all in. But I love mm-hmm. the like there was a lot of good discussion about um, people correcting language in the debates around talking, not saying pregnant women, but people mm-hmm. who are pregnant and like feeling very happy that we're moving that way. And I was even thinking about my own coming out story too. Like for me, gender pronouns are really important as a queer and fluid person because part of that, like having to come out all the time on dates or like, you know, in situations, even like people are being well-intended, like, oh, I want to hook you, like, you know, I want to hook you up with whoever, blah, 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 right? But like I, gender neutral pronouns, like allow me to just date who I want to date and not necessarily have to have these like coming out moments all the time. And like, yeah, I really, yeah, to me that's not buzz that like, that's really stuff that matters. Yeah. It's important to people. Yeah. I was I was thinking, I have this friend who um, identifies as a woman and is married to a woman, um, but really refuses strongly to use any kind of label mm-hmm. and is like, I'm just me, or we'll say, I'm yeah. just, and then we'll say her name. And I remember, and this has been, this has been her MO for a long time, and I yeah. remember actually getting really mad. Yeah. Because I was, I was like, why are you ashamed of being yeah. a queer person? And it took me a lot of time and yeah. really sitting with it and thinking about it to be like, first of all, it's literally none of my business yeah. how she identifies. Yeah. And if she feels the most empowered by not claiming a label, yeah. then good for her. Yeah. And it's like, who am I to care? Yeah. <laughs> it took a lot of almost like undoing what I thought was so important. Yeah. Because for me, those words are so important. Yeah. Um, and it's just not for some people. When I thought about that, you know, I think I was feeling some stress about being here and telling my mm. story and like talking about myself. And actually, I, I think some of that is because like my, I'm like, my identity is shifting. It's like ever shifting, like I've shared, but I think also like at this stage of life, I feel differently about it and it's like in movement. And I think I'm also coming to terms with how I feel like, again, like the limits of language and how frustrating it feels, but like also feeling though that, or like I, there's like, 
So it's like I want to embrace that. I want to stand by that part of me that needs um, less language, that wants less language, that wants less of to be bound by a label. And then I also want to speak to that, like, I also had this awareness too, right? Like some people don't have the privilege of not having to come out either, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And um, as like a cisgender woman that has straight passing privilege, um, uh, you know, when I'm not in a relationship, I mean, like just on my own in the world, um, based on appearances, um, and if I am in a relationship with like a cisgender man, like I have straight privilege, right? And so like coming out feels like also, that's about matching vulnerability too, right? Like that. Um, I, I may feel better, like not having labels, but I also think it's important that it's like why, like we all should be using like front loading our pronouns, right? Because I think when we take acts of vulnerability, even if they're maybe less risky than for other people that we make it safe for other people, right? Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? So I feel, you know, like I had a little bit of a, an internal battle, like coming up of like, how much do I want to share? And like, you know, I think also too accepting self-acceptance around like, yeah, work in progress, still not sure. It's like shifting or like, um, uh, you know, but I think it's, I think it's important to show up and, and have the conversations. Yeah. Like we're doing right now. Like we're doing right now. We're doing it. We're doing being about it. We're doing it, Peter. We've known each other a long time. Yeah. How long? I don't like how. Yeah, let's play this game. Six, um, six years? Because I've been in New York. It'll be my sixth anniversary, I think, this winter. And oh. we met the spring, I think, of 2014, I want to say. Great. Lovely. So, yeah, I've known you a really long time. Yeah. I've known you before I use they, them pronouns. Mm-hmm. I knew you before top surgery. I knew you before really uh, using TIFCO? any yeah before tifco exactly um and and before affirming that i'm trans and realizing that but i know i this is going to be like gush about suzanne moment um because just something you said earlier reminded me of um they them pronouns and i know that when when we would have conversations about who you were dating you always use they them pronouns and about whoever they were and I always I remember being confused but never asking you because I uh-huh. I'd never heard of that before. Yeah. I had no idea that that was a thing. And I was always always kind of frustrated too. I was like, "Who are you talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> and then it's just like and this was like 6 years ago probably. Yeah. And I was like, "Suzanne, just tell me." <laughs> and also that person could have been using they them pronouns yeah. and I had no idea. Yeah. Um but uh I just I love that you've kind of in my mind, you've like been on the forefront <laughs> of like so many things. Um, another one being self-care. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I've talked about this on other episodes too. Of like you are the person who taught me what self-care mm-hmm. is. And so appreciative of that. What does that mean to you now? I want to know. Yeah. To me, it means when I'm feeling overwhelmed or when I'm feeling um, that I need to just take a beat and take a, and listen to my body and yeah. the, my stress and anxiety to actually listen to it yeah. and to not push when I, when I don't need to be pushing. Yeah. And it's, and I also learned that it's not selfish to do that and yeah, that it's, I love that. Yeah. It's been nice. So like <laughs> when I'm like staying home on a Friday night, yeah. it's because I really can't be out. I can't be out. I yeah. need to be home. Um, or, you know, things like that where it's just yeah. like really listening to myself and not feeling that. bad about it. That's so important. I love that so much. I feel like to me, like, Oh, that's like the way to be in right relationship with yourself and your people and your community is to really make room for yourself and see yourself. Yay. Yeah. 
So thanks. Yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. Um, and the other thing, I'm just going to laundry list all the things that I'm, why I love you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm blushing. <laughs> um, me too. Uh, the other one was that you were the first person to ever call me handsome. Yeah. I stand by it. Thank you. I stand by <laughs> it. <laughs> but I remember, I, I just remember, I, I forget, I think we had, we were on a team together mm-hmm. called Hot Again, mm-hmm. and that was a musical improv team back at the Queen's Secret Improv Club, oh. probably, what, in 2015, 2014, yeah. 2015? Um, that's how we spent every Saturday night. Yeah. I was just, I took the G train to Long Island City to Court Square, and I just, like, remembered sitting on that tr- that G train at Court Square, like, waiting. It was, like, 1 o'clock in the morning, yeah. waiting and waiting to go home after a show. But it was so much fun. Do <laughs> you we remember the password to that bathroom? Oh, I have it in my phone. <laughs> I don't even think the, I don't know if it exists anymore. I don't either. But I definitely, there was a, a, there were public bathrooms and there was like a secret private bathroom yeah. with a code and we got access to it. So it was, it was like our so special bathroom. It was really special. <laughs> like we didn't share the, the code. to a bathroom. Right? That's like VIP New York. It's so true. It's so true. Um, but I remember, I think it might have even been, we had a show and then it was your birthday. And so we, the whole team dressed up. Um, yeah, I and remember. I was, yeah, and I was that wearing was nice. a tie and a sweater. Yeah, and that was the first thing you said to me was, "You're so handsome." And I was just, I, I, I just remember being blown away because it was the first time anyone had ever like seen me, mm. and it was just, it was life changing. It was amazing and so affirming. Uh, so thank you. You're welcome for seeing me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I feel like you also really show up and show yourself. Um, it bums me out that, like, maybe folks hadn't noticed. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I feel like thank you for giving us so much to see. <laughs> you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it did sound that way, but that's not what I meant. <laughs> uh, you're welcome. I love it. Yeah. Um, um, but also, like, I, I was thinking, too, in one of our Court Square adventures our long island city adventures over there by the queen's secret improv club was i remember we were going to a party or something on a bus and uh, we were you were talking maybe about tifco we're talking about and then i had just you know moved from san francisco i was in a relationship with a woman there and we had lived it was like part of like the time of my life where i was like i'm a dyke i like don't um i'm never gonna date a man again and then like i moved to new york which is like the funniest thing i moved to san francisco um as like a lesbian like identified queer person and I like left San Francisco having a greater awareness of like wanting to date cisgender men again and like uh, I just think that's funny that most people go to San Francisco to come out mm-hmm. as queer and I left like not less queer but like I left in a different place <laughs> which is just funny to me but I remember like feeling really self-conscious and being like where do I fit in queer space now and uh, you know like also using the word bisexual for the first time I still like I ugh, I don't need to come out about how I hate the word bisexual but um I use it anyway but like coming out with that word like uh you know using that word to identify myself more and I just remember you kind of being like well like it just like being really welcome I think I don't even know what you said I think you were like well bisexual like people are always welcome at like, <laughs> you know, at my show and in my community, in my circle and just feeling, I felt also really seen and felt very like, um, you know, that was vulnerable for me at that moment of time. Um, and to really feel affirmed in that. Um, yeah. I never knew that. Yeah. Thanks hey, for sharing that. you're welcome. 
Yeah. We're just going to have a cry fest. I know. There are the dishes. <laughs> I know. Actually, yeah, I usually have them out and I forgot to put them out. Yeah. Uh, so we can't cry. Yeah. Um, no, we can. Um, I love, I love the fact the you, you've been saying the word bisexual a lot, which is great. Uh, because bisexual people are lovely. Yeah. Uh, but I love that when you came out to your mom and brother, you're like, all people are bisexual. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I was so me, myself, righteous, 23-year-old <laughs> self, 22-year-old self. <laughs> I stand by it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I was, well, was going to say, and that's why I brought it up, was that not that I necessarily think that every single person is bisexual. Yeah. But I think that if we, if humans allowed themselves to be open and uh, embrace tissicious. <laughs> <laughs> it'll, it'll catch on. Um, I think there'd be more queer people. I yeah. think there just would be. Whether it's identity-wise, yeah. sexual orientation-wise, yeah. relationship structure-wise. Yeah. We're so tied up into the cis-heteronormative... Yeah world because that's at least in the United States that's the way it's set up yeah that I just wonder yeah. if there were no stigma and everyone was treated equally yeah what the numbers would be yeah I think we'd all just be people and we'd right. live our friggin' lives <laughs> yeah you know but yeah no I think so and I think that um, I think being like a queer fluid person in relationship is really interesting because I do think the people that I end up dating have questions and I think that they also feel a little bit I think I think that so like I have it's been rare for me to have experiences where people have been threatened like I think there's this like old story or maybe it's true for maybe it's true for some people but it's not an experience that I had I have been fortunate where everyone that I've dated has been like cool end of sentence right like Mm -hmm. not necessarily like are you gonna leave me for a man or are you gonna want to be with like leave me for a woman like I have not had that experience um and uh, I feel very grateful for that um and I think the experience that I've had is I think that like it has allowed partners to like embrace their own sense of fluidity um and like embrace yeah their own yeah their own sense of like um I mean, I want to say, like, fluidity, like, because of me, they've experimented. You know, like, not necessarily like that, but just, like, hold space for, like, there's a different way to express themselves in this relationship then. And I think that's one of the ways in which I even, like, am discovering about myself, like, you know, currently for the past, like, couple of years, been mostly dating cisgender men. And I, I, and that has, like I shared, been, like, oh, how do I identify now in this space? But I also feel like my queerness actually really comes out in relationship mm-hmm. um, with whoever I'm dating um, but like my relationship with cis men in particular, that like there is a, um, I just, my approach to relationships is, is different. My approach to relationships is less binary. Mm-hmm. Um, my expectation for, um, like communication is very rooted, I think, in being a part of like a queer culture and queer space. And that allows me like, I don't know. So I think that there's like a way in which, um, being queer as like, is like an asset in the relationships that I'm in just to your point of that I think it yeah I think when we all kind of like get to express ourselves in our full range um we're all better for it yeah 
Embracedicity. Embracedicity. 2020. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I want to like rewind like 25 seconds. Okay. Well, uh, and you were, you were talking about because of me, they can embrace who they are. And yeah. you kind of made like a joke about it. Yeah. But I also want to take that seriously. Yeah. Because I think when people do embrace who they are, it yeah. gives other people permission yeah, to absolutely. be who they are. Yeah. And I fortunately or unfortunately I don't know really know how to or maybe it's both in lots of my past relationships um, maybe lots is too much but a handful of them I have kind of been I don't maybe you can help me with language around this I I kind of use it when I think about it as like I was a stepping stone mm-hmm. or I was like a teacher where yeah. you know the people I'm dating are are dating we're going out right yeah. and you know we're going steady yeah and I think because I don't want this to sound conceited, but because I'm so rooted in being who I am yeah. and I'm so out and proud and embraced. Em, em, thank, oh my God. Is that right? I don't Now I forget, <laughs> <laughs> but yes. <Okay. laughs> yeah. That, oh, that's the noun. Embrace. 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 <laughs> I don't know. Language. Um, because I think, yeah. yeah, I think that it thinks, I think that it, it does give people permission yeah. to kind of be who they are and yeah. explore. And then unfortunately for me, they're like, okay, bye. Mm. And like, I've gotten the experience I need and I learned all uh, the things yeah. and I've been able to find who I am and now I'm going to go uh, yeah. date someone else. And I'm just That's like, painful. Yeah. it's really painful. And so I, I kind of move through the world dating world now on one hand, I'm like, I need to date someone who is like yeah. already out already. Yeah confirmed and then but then it also like that's doesn't shouldn't exist right like especially with what you're saying of always questioning and being open so I'm kind of like where do I like how do I protect myself you know I mean but I think that that oh man I think that's like a yes and situation Ooh, improv Mm -hmm. thank you Um, you're welcome (laughs) I feel though that like yeah maybe like looking I mean I think that's about listening to yourself and I think that's about boundaries as well and like so how do you um how do you not give away all that insight without getting what you need in return, right? Yeah. And that's about boundaries for yourself and holding yourself accountable to that. Are you seeking out people that are giving as much as you're giving, yeah. right? That there's equity in that. Mm-hmm. Um, because the reality is like, I mean, I feel that way too in relationships and not necessarily in the, in the same way, but like sometimes I feel like, um, you know, I think that there's like, there's like a joke, I think, particularly like amongst like straight women that it's like, you know, their exes always end up more prepared to be in their right. next relationship yeah. because of the the training that they put mm-hmm. in, right? Yeah. And what, you know, I don't know, whatever. That's like a a joke, I guess, but maybe with some truth, <laughs> right. truth to it. But like, I think that that's bound to happen in relationships that um, we experience intimacy and we learn a lot from them and then we also through the experience realize that maybe there isn't the same compatibility that we thought but we don't give less right we keep giving but I do think yeah I'm curious for you though like around are you like how can you be seeking out people that are that that's a shared dynamic yeah are you asking (laughs) right that's the ever yeah the ever asking question I need to really be I think there's a how I met your mother episode where um where Ted is having a conversation with his friends and they're all like you you are always going for the wrong women yeah and we think it's because you're scared 
to yeah. find the right person. Yeah. And so you're kind of like delaying. Yeah. And, you know, through the 10 or nine seasons, it's yeah. like we do, you do see the patterns of him always going for like unavailable people or folks who up front were like, I don't, I can't do this. And yeah. you know, he pushes. Um, do you feel that that's true for you? Um, yes. And in the book that I'm writing, um, I talk about, it's like basically the chapter is called How I'm Ted Mosby. Yeah. And, and it's, but it's been enlightening because I'm, I'm starting to see those patterns. Yeah. And another pattern that I uncovered, um, not to make this about me, but also kind of I'm hair flipping. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, the, when I, you know, like being in the closet for the majority of my life still, um, I mean, it, it's still the majority, but eventually it won't have been. Anyways, um, like I realized this recently that I still get crushes and like go after like people who just legitimately are not available for me. Yeah. And it, I really am equating that back to like being in the closet and mm. pining after people who yeah. I could never have yeah. because I wasn't out or they weren't queer or I didn't know they were queer or yeah. it was too scary. It's well, a familiar feeling. Right. That's yeah. exactly what it was. It's like I'm yeah. I'm finding these people to get back into that familiar yeah. feeling even though I know that's not healthy or yeah. what's going to be right for me. Yeah. But yeah. And there's like a part of me that like hears that and is also like, oh, it's like one thing that's so awesome about you is like how much you're willing to like crush out on somebody <laughs> and kind of go for it. That's like really sweet. Um, and I think that, yeah, that there is, I don't know, that's like important information though. And mm -hmm. I think that, yeah, that sometimes we, there's like the familiar, like there could be a negative pattern that feels safe. Yeah. You know, even if it's not putting us towards, and I think that's why, right? Because like the awesome thing is really risky and really vulnerable. And I was like thinking about actually even this scenario here that I think part of my nervousness about being in this seat of being like interviewed by you is that like I'm usually in this position as somebody that's like, I'm a coach, I'm a social worker. I mm -hmm. keep like restorative justice space for people. Like I'm, and even in relationships, I'm often the one that's like asking the questions and, you know, and when like, I'm in the hot seat. It's different, mm -hmm. right? Like, and, yeah. and yet that's not okay, right? Like, I need to be comfortable sharing of myself because I'm literally asking other people. Yeah. You know, and thinking about that for you as well, right? Like, and how you must have that experience. Um, like, how willing are you to be in a relationship that's out of your comfort zone? Right. You know, that might put you in the hot, hot seat in a different way. Um, and I think that sometimes the thing that we want the most is just really can is really scary yeah. and requires us to be in an uncomfortable um, and like unsafe in the sense that we can't predict what it's going to feel like. Right. Just to bring in our gal, Brene Brown. Yeah. Like I always need Ugh. to. Daring greatly. Yeah. And just like you have to try. Yeah. You have to get into the arena yeah. and, there be, and there are no guarantees that you're going to succeed. And when no. you're face down, when she tweeted at me, yeah. she was like, when you're face down in the arena, yeah. when you need yourself to remind you to get back up, yeah. which is why I got the tattoo in my own yeah. handwriting, yeah. not hers. Yeah. And I think <laughs> yeah. for, you are always in the arena, Doves. Like you mm. are somebody that like I definitely admire for that. Um, uh, you know, we joked earlier about how my mom is a fan of yours. And mm. my <laughs> mom is like, Doves just putting themselves out there and doing it. I was like, yep. Um, uh, you know, I'm really inspired by that. And I feel like how could you, you know, bring, yeah, I feel like when you experience that, um, that resilience in other aspects of your life, how can you bring that towards 
the dating and the love yeah. situation. Yeah. Well, I think the first step is it is it is recognizing that that's a pattern that I'm in. Yeah. And then figuring out how to break it. Yeah. So I'm working on it. Yeah. Sitting with it. Sit with it. Yeah. Journal about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, you taught me about morning pages. Suzanne, this is just like what the what Suzanne Hitchman taught me podcast by Dubs Weinman. Um, you also taught me about morning pages and the artist way. Oh, do you have you done the artist way? Did you do it? No. I got as far as morning pages. <laughs> like, not, <laughs> just like not for page me. one. Yeah. <laughs> but not I have the book. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um I've been doing my morning pages strong for like I've been here for six years, seven years, eight years now. I wouldn't, I can't imagine a life without it. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, I want to just quick, like, I also want to stick to the theme of things you taught me because you brought up the word mm-hmm. boundaries. Yeah. Um, which reminds me of also consent. And we also have had so many conversations around boundaries and consent, just yeah. like as, but you know what I mean? And I feel like I learned so much from you about those things as well. And I remember one conversation we had, um, this was before top surgery, and but it was when I was in that contemplate. I think it, it had to have been before knowing that I wanted to have it. And I was telling you about um, being intimate with somebody and how she was touching my chest. Do you remember this? Yeah. And um, I remember telling you how uncomfortable I was. And then I said, but like if she likes it, then like this yeah. is just like, it's just like fine. I'll just let her. And you yeah. were like, no. Yeah no if you don't like it tell her no and where you were so firm but like nice and gentle but like I think this I heard and took the seriousness in your voice of like I like didn't know that I could say no yeah which is like so embarrassing and like kind of just you know I I thought consent at that point was like okay I've consented to be in this hookup space with you yeah that means everything goes, yeah. regardless of how I'm feeling. And I just am so appreciative that you were you were able to teach me that, no, that's not how yeah. consent works. Yeah, I feel that so strongly even right now. And that's something that actually like has been present for me too around. Um, there's been some things that uh, has like caused me, like in the work that I've done that has caused me to kind of self-reflect around like, sexual harm and like thinking about I think one of the ways in which I think one of the biggest sexual harms that's been done to me and like I think everyone is this expectation that you should be down for sex whenever yeah (laughs) right and even that like consent isn't just like yes I agree to sex like you're saying it's it's like we both like it Mm -hmm. throughout the time right (laughs) right and like and like not necessarily like oh, stop, but being able to say, like, I don't like this, let's do this, right? Being able mm-hmm. to be assertive um, and name boundaries and also be able to be, like, assertive and directing uh, towards where you want to go, being an active participant. And I think that, like, that is, that's, I mean, that's something that I feel like I've had to learn and had, had modeled for me by friends. And I think, I feel like that conversation also came about from that scene in Transparent. Yes. That yes. where mm-hmm. um, Gabby Hoffman's character is in the tent yep. making out with a gender non-binary person and they're just like, no, I want to keep my top on, right? Yeah. Yeah. And just, I felt that so powerfully mm-hmm. too around like, yes, you get to say what you want. You get to name it. There's no like... Yeah, you don't carte blanche sign a waiver that's like, I'm down for it all, right? Yeah. Um, it's hard and it's important, though. People, everyone has to like it. Yeah. 
I think uh, that scene in Transparent came years after this conversation. Yeah. But I, that you and I had, um, but which is so important for um, visibility, yeah. right? Because if I would have seen that yeah. before this encounter, maybe I would have felt empowered and yeah. learned and known that I could say no from the beginning yeah. and not been uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking for this. Someone put uh, something on social media that's so into in this conversation, and I'm going to just try to find it. And then if I can't after one second, then... Oh, here. <clears throat> Imagine you are having sex with a partner who begins to give you specific instructions on how best to provide satisfaction. Assuming there is no danger, would you follow these instructions? And the options are, no, that would be the end of the encounter. No, I'd continue doing it my way. Yes, but I would be offended. And yes, I'd be grateful for the communication. So this is like... I have a friend who posts these like okay cupid questions yeah. as like as a way to match with folks and that is a question and those are the answers so what was the question again uh, imagine you were having sex with a partner who begins to give you specific instructions yes. on how to best provide satisfaction assuming there's no danger would you follow these instructions yes well yeah i love instructions i know right and i, I love instructions i love tell me how your body tell works me. <laughs> tell me like not a mind yeah. reader yeah let's have a yeah. consensual conversation about yeah. what and I, I just can't imagine someone saying no in any way to that. I know. Um, or could be offended. I think when we have, or could, you know, be offended that you think that they don't know that what they're doing yeah. by giving them instruction. And it's just, I think it's about framing and it's about, it's not well, that you don't. But I, I, I can kind of relate in a sense because I think that there's this expectation that like, I think for me as a cisgender woman that like I should be good at sex mm. and particularly in relationship with cisgender men that like there is like this, you know, like at your, like supposed to be like a porn star and know <laughs> how right. everything goes, right? Yeah. And that it's not sexy to like say what you want. It's not sexy to ask. It's not sexy to tell someone that there is like insecurity around like, am I doing this thing correctly? Right. And mm. that we don't have good training or education around like to me, I think that that's hot. Like I think it's like sexy to be like, show me how your body works and tell me like, to me, that's like a part of what's fun about sex. And like mm -hmm. other people might have like, yeah, feel that insecurity um, and be ashamed to say it um, or to name it or to ask. Um, for yeah. me, it's like also important, like, and I make this joke a lot um, in the context of my relationships, but I feel like I, because I have a history of dating, like, uh, you know, across the spectrum, like, I feel like I don't have my like 10,000 hours in dicks <laughs> or like, or like vaginas, right? Because like, I have had a diverse sexual history. So it's like, like, I do sometimes feel like insecure, like, and, uh, it's like, you know, you got to ask, like, show me, right? Mm. And it's not, and also, like, not every dick and not every vagina or any, like, combination of, like, things are the same. So, like, tell me what's good for you. I think it's, yeah, I think that that's important. Definitely. And hot and all that. I yeah. agree. I definitely agree 100%. I think part of what can be scary to assert yourself is when someone gets offended. Yeah. Right? And, like, that fear of yeah. feeling embarrassed or the fear of someone saying leaving right like yeah. and to feel rejected yeah but by asserting your boundary or by asserting Goodbye. your need yeah is how I feel about that oh totally yeah 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 I think that that's yeah you got to be able to roll with it 
I think that's like part of my like manual for dating me or being in a relationship with me is like, you know, like we can have conversations like my boundary may come up against your boundary and that may be difficult, but like, yeah, if you're not willing to talk about it, see it, you gotta go. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. But mm-hmm. I feel like there's also a flip side of that. Like, I think that sometimes, again, that's like, I think part of the questioning aspect of life too is like, are these boundaries still serving me? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And can these boundaries actually be barriers to intimacy? And I think that's where it's like so important to really be actively listening. That's why I write my pages every day. <laughs> so I do the journaling every day is to stay close to myself, to be able to be like, is this a boundary that's serving me? Um, is this a boundary that like, am I getting uh-oh feelings because it's like run away or is it uh-oh feelings like, oh, actually you need to lean into the uncertainty of this. Um, and I think that that's something that like I'm experiencing right now as like, I'm in like a career transition. I'm like leaning towards like soul entrepreneurship. And there are like opportunities that come up that I have to sit with around like, do I say yes? Is this no? Cause like, it's unethical. Is this no because it's like I don't like the way this person does business or is this no because like I'm actually afraid of taking on this new thing? Mm-hmm. And like I think it's important. Again, that's where like the listening and that self-care, which like to me self-care really means active listening to yourself and your own needs um, and your own desires um, and fear and shame and all of that. Um, it is so important to help guide you on like saying yes to the right things and saying no to the right things mm-hmm. or learning and then learning in the aftermath of those decisions. Yeah. And sometimes saying no is actually saying yes. Absolutely. Mm. When I 100%. learned that, no. I was like, what? what? No, and? <laughs> how, right? I was like, how is that a thing? That's so cool. <laughs> I love uh, it. Language. Language. Embrace today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's never not going to be silly to me. Okay, it'll catch on, and then you'll be like, I was there when. (laughs) I want it to catch on, and I want to giggle every time. That's fair. If it, you know, that's great. You're being authentic in your reaction to the word. Um, You're embracing it. Okay. Uh, So you are a writer for Reductress. Um, I haven't contributed in a while, but I have I have contributed some pieces to Reductress. What are some of, so Reductress is a satirical web, is it a website? <laughs> I guess a magazine? A magazine website. I guess Social I probably should have researched that before. Entity. <laughs> yeah. um, it's great. It's so funny. What are what have been some of your pieces? I published or? two pieces. Yeah. Um, it's funny because like I'm a very like political person, but I have a really hard time with like overtly political um, comedy. I think it's like too too close to home. So like I feel like mine are like not necessarily the most like cutting. Like I had one <laughs> that was um, Tupperware solutions to assert dominance over your apartment or your roommate. That's, that's what it was. It was Tupperware solutions to assert dominance over your roommate at home <laughs> was one. Because I, that actually stemmed from real life because I literally have – I have um, this kitchen that – I always say my apartment has, like, really bad bones but, like, great skin but terrible bones. Mm. Um, it's, like – Oh, like half falling apart, but like you walk in, you're like, this is great. But like I have these cabinets that don't have um, a drawer. So like you can open the doors, but there's no drawer. There's just a gaping hole. And I've decided like that's where my Tupperware lives. So I literally just like shove the Tupperware into this thing. And then you open up the doors and it all falls out. Um, And my roommate, who was my best friend at the time, um, like – 
uh, is a very like orderly structure. She's a Capricorn. I'm a Pisces. I, I feel like Capricorn Pisces, a very symbiotic relationship. Mm. We need each other. However, there was a lot of the Tupperware situation was our battleground. Mm, um, interesting. Yeah. And I like the idea of being, I mean, like comedically, I like the idea of messiness as a form of control versus like people often talk about cleanliness as a form of like control. But yeah. you can be so haphazard in your Tupperware that you can slowly unhinge your domestic partners. Yeah. I bought some new Tupperware <laughs> from Ikea the other day. It's all and, good Tupperware. Oh my God, it's so good. And like they just stack. And I, that's all. Just, I, they're so <laughs> lovely. <laughs> I love a good like um, like glass Tupperware situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So important. Yeah. Don't want to microwave those chemicals and plastic I and have them leach into your system. No way. Yeah, I still do it. I, I still microwave the plastic. I try to transfer to a glass plate yes. as much as possible. It's another dish I have to do. I don't have a dishwasher. Yeah, that's rough. It's rough. That's rough. I have more important things to do than a But, dish. like, can you leave a plate at the work office? Oh, uh, no. Why? Um, you just can't. Do we need to <laughs> well, write a letter? What I do actually, we need to do? <laughs> right? Well, actually, I was thinking about just at home, like, transferring oh, okay. food. Um, actually at work they have dishes and yeah. so I just, and, and have okay. dishwasher. So that is actually much easier at work. Great. But so like if you get the glass Tupperware dubs and if it's just for home, I'm like such an advocate. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm trying to like proselytize this you. This is great. But then the glass Tupperware is the dish. The glass Tupperware is the dish. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Add this to the list of things. Suzanne <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Um, <laughs> I just feel really. Wow. Like, I, I think that plastics in our system is really what's causing us all these problems. Autoimmune stuff. I just... Yeah, I think everything a little is. Yeah, that's true. I was at the airport the other... Yesterday, actually. And I was speaking with someone who lives five hours from Steamboat, Colorado, off the grid in, Col- in Colorado. And he was like, when I come into cities, he's like, I can taste and feel the air. And like, I can feel the, like, electromagnetic whatever and I was like well like cool okay then he's like everyone everyone (laughs) and he was like well everyone you know like makes fun of me or thinks that I'm making it up but I don't know there's probably something to it if you are not living near it's true like he doesn't like he's literally like we have no internet we have no wi-fi we are away from stuff and so I bet that I bet it's true true. I bet it's true yeah you seem trustworthy after (laughs) 20 minutes (laughs) I'm you have to go to steamboat Colorado and and did you meet him in Steamboat Colorado oh no we were at the Houston airport oh because I was gonna say you have to yeah. go there and see if maybe you can feel it yeah I wonder if you feel it the other way it's That's like I mean, oh yeah. yeah yeah well let's go let's go okay <laughs> I would love to know what that feels <laughs> Springfield like Springfield trip <laughs> yeah speaking of that we have been saying for years that we're gonna go to Stars Hollow we have to go to and Stars Hollow to go. and it's fall I know let's go we're going we're going okay great wonderful okay um oh yeah Lorelai and Rari. 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 <laughs> I love those gals. So comforting. They are. You know what? I really always turn on Gilmore Girls whenever I'm feeling homesick or sad yeah, or same. Um, sick. I yeah. just want to like giggle and yeah. feel at home. Although I like sometimes relate, like I, I almost didn't, did I tell you that I almost didn't watch Gilmore Girls because I found the first, well, it actually watching it now for like the fourth time, I am like, Oh, it, it there's it's very homophobic. Oh, it's very homophobic. homophobic. Yep. Wow. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but 
I the first episode I actually was really like lowercase t triggered by how like unboundaried Lorelai Gilmore is. So unboundaried. And you know, like I was right like my parents split up when I was like in middle school and basically like was raised by like a singlish mom who like you know, we were very close and bonded very much in the aftermath of my parents' divorce. But, like, sometimes I'm like, oh, too close, like, mm. boundaries. Um, uh, you know, and, like, that there is a lot of – a lot you get out of having, like – and my mom and I talk, like, every day. There's, like, a lot I get out of having, like, a very close relationship, like, friendship with my mom. But there's also, like, boundaries are good. Yeah. The theme of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> they are so good. Um, but yeah, so sometimes like I like also there's like some things that are unsettling about Gilmore Girls that mm-hmm. I really and yet it's comforting. Yeah. Well, that's how I feel about Friends and How I Met Your Mother. They're all yeah. very comforting and also just the most problematic. Yeah. Just te- they're ter- they are terrible. Yeah. And well, I love them. So Shit's Creek, we're going to talk about Shit's Creek. Oh, let's talk about Shit's Creek. Yeah. Yeah. So which is also I feel like the premise of that show makes me very uncomfortable. Somebody's yeah. like, "Oh, what's that about?" And I'm like, "Oh, a bunch of like rich people go to a what, like poor rural town and like have to that they bought um, as a joke." That they bought as a joke. Exactly. Right. I'm like, "This is awful." Yeah. Um and and also they do a great job at everything else. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, they really do. Yeah. Yeah. I love, so you, one of your questions is representation, queer representation in the media. And I do love David and Patrick's relationship Mm -hmm. so much. I think it's the best relationship period that we get to see on television. And I love it. They like, they navigate conflict Mm -hmm. so well. They play, they joke. Yeah. They're hot for each other. They communicate. They communicate. Uh, I bet they have great consensual communicative sex. Yeah, I bet they do. Mm. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Ew, David. Ew, David. I I, I need to practice that. Uh, I was just watching um, the episode with um, Moira doing the commercial at the end and like just butchering the name of the uh, of the winery and the na- <laughs> just like and I so was like good. almost peed my pants because I was like this is so ridiculously hilarious it's so she's so good she's so good she's oh, so I good. love that her. accent that nondescript accent yeah it's so amazing <laughs> it's so good I love it um we, I'm going to transition us into our last segment, yeah. which is the rapid fire. Oh, gosh. So okay. just relax, and um, I'm going to read you questions and just answer yeah. as quickly as possible. Also, though, I do. I have a Ring of Keys moment that I really oh, want to tell you. please. The reason I didn't bring it up is because you kind of already talked about but it. This but this is different, and oh, I wanted to share it because please. I think it's like a meta Ring of Keys moment. Right. I love that, it. That, like, um, it's different, but it's uh, – Real quick, thanks yes. for advocating for yourself. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Always. <laughs> Self-care. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's funny to me, and I, like, have never told this story before, but um, so I came out to my mom, and then my mom told my entire family. With your oh, consent? Not without my consent, okay. which was a problem, but then also, it was a problem. I didn't have control over the situation, and it's a little bit of a recurring theme where, boundaries, mom, mm-hmm. um, but... Uh, also, it meant that I didn't have to have a conversation. I don't, I don't really love coming out, so I didn't have to have a conversation with people. Yeah. But um, she, so she, then, so my uncle apparently told my mom that he already knew because I was a part of like this queer like 
funk like bike community and like part of the fashion was to like and also the fashion and the function was to have a ring of keys on my Mm. belt buckle that I could like have quick access to to unlock my bike Mm -hmm. um and so I always had a ring of keys on my pants (laughs) and my uncle's like that's how I knew she was queer was because of that ring of keys so it wasn't my ring my uncle had a ring of keys (laughs) moment about me that was like literally about a ring of keys wow (laughs) just thought that that was a silly little twist that is a silly twist I wish you still had a ring of keys. I do, actually. Oh. Yeah. I, I got one because on they're in my bag. All right. All right. It loses its effect a little bit when it's, <laughs> it's in like the way. I'll put them like, on. Oh, I'll I walk have, out. I have keys in my bag. It's Right. Everyone has that. I, yeah, you're right. I'll put them <laughs> on. You. I'll strut out of Gay City News with them on my belt buckle. Please so. do. Okay, great. Okay, okay, rapid fire. I'm ready. Okay. Okay. Writing or reading? Writing. Acting or singing? Singing. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Beach or mountains? Beach. Biking or running? Both. Ooh. Bagels or donuts? Neither. All right. Train or plane? Train. Pants or shorts? (laughs) It sounded like you said pants or shorts. (laughs) Pants? Shorts or Tupperware? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Shorts. Coke or Pepsi? Neither. All right. Night or day? (laughs) Um, Not both. Cycles, natural rhythms. <laughs> Favorite dessert? <laughs> um, chocolatey things. Ooh, chocolatey things. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Suzanne, you're lovely. Oh, are we done? Yeah, but you can come back. Okay. Uh, do you have any um, plugs you want to make, social media you want people to follow you on? Um, I'm a coach. I'm an individual coach and an organizational coach. I do like life coaching, wellness coaching. Leadership coaching, I do a lot of work around equity and inclusion. If you're looking to have hard conversations at work, I'm your person. Uh, so, yeah, you can reach out to me. Um, oh, my social media is, like, not for public consumption. Okay, well, that's great. <laughs> you can reach out to me at SuzanneHitchman at gmail.com. Great. Thank you for coming out. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yay. Love you. Love you, too. <laughs> thank you for coming out. Hey, it's Dubs Weinblatt, your host of Thank You For Coming Out. Thank you so much for listening with an open heart and an open mind. Please subscribe to our podcast on the platform of your choice. And don't forget to rate and review us. It really helps.